the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hi, I'm Pastor Steve Wilbur in the Core Church, Los Angeles. Have you ever wondered how we allowed the Easter Bunny to hijack the second most important day throughout all of human history? Yes, Easter. The resurrection of Jesus is only second to his birth. Think about it. There's a God in heaven that loves us, and he came to this world to die for our sin, and he did. But he rose again from the dead, and now we can know him personally. Those of us who have done wrong can be made right. We can know God. We can have His hope reach directly into our heart. We can be cleansed and set free. I would like to invite you and someone you know that needs to find rest for their soul to our Easter services. Come see and hear the great message that sets captives free. We have three services at 8.30 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and one at 6.30 Sunday evening. You can check us out at corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Jesus was consumed and absorbed with the desire to see all men and all women saved. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with Pastor Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. It's important for us to obey what God tells us to do. So they obeyed, they put the blood up on the doorpost, and when the angel of death came by, when he saw the blood, he went up and he passed over that house, and no one died. Thus, we get the name Passover. So in the same way, though, in a modern day sense today, the Bible says that every single person on planet Earth, you and me will also reap what we sow. The Bible says if you sow the flesh, you will reap corruption. But if you sow the spirit, you will reap life. So one day there's a judgment coming. And the Bible says it's appointed for each man and each woman to die. And after you die, you will face judgment. Because, see, many people will get away with things all their life. And I cheat on my taxes every year. I make a little extra here. I rip off my company. I do this. I lie. I cheat. I do all these little things. Oh, little things. All this and that. And I get away with it. I get away with it every year. So I just keep doing it. But know this. There is a judgment that's coming. And when you die, you will stand before the Lord. And the Bible says all the secrets of your life will come out. Everything that you did in the darkness, everything you did in secret that nobody else saw, maybe your spouse didn't see it, maybe your mom and dad didn't see it, but God saw it. Things you've forgotten about, they will all come up to the Lord and you will have to give an answer. But the difference for those of us who believe, just like the Passover, For those who have received Jesus Christ in their hearts as their Savior, who have truly repented of their sin and no longer do those things, God's wrath will pass up and over us. 
Yes, God's people, they celebrate the Passover every year. They still do it here. We know that the second largest concentration of Jewish people throughout the entire world, outside of Jerusalem, the second largest congregation is here in L.A., especially here on the west side of L.A. It's a time of remembrance where the Jews still today will celebrate Passover. It's a time of remembrance again of God's mercy. But here in our text... Man and religion had turned this day in remembrance into just another day. It's just another ritual. It's just another day to make money. For some Jews, it was just another paid holiday. But see, we've done this in the Christian church too. We've done it. All of America has done this because we're guilty of the very same thing. The whole time I was growing up in the 60s, we celebrated Christmas and Easter. And that's what they were called because that's what they were. Schools and malls were all on the same page. But look what we have done here in America. America, as you know, was founded on God himself. His name, well, it's on all of our money. His name is in our Pledge of Allegiance, is it not? His name is written on many of our monuments, like the Lincoln Memorial and the Jefferson Memorial. Yet now, we have to be politically correct. We can no longer celebrate Christmas. Now we're to call it a happy holiday, or just a a winter break. And then, of course, there's Easter. Now Easter is just a spring break. Yes, we have done the same thing. Well, getting back to our text here, Jesus is going to Jerusalem for the Passover of the Jews. He now walks into the temple, a sanctuary that was built for his people specifically so they could come and worship him. That's what the sanctuary is all about. Yet what does he find? They had set up a swap meet in the holy court right outside of the actual sanctuary. Now picture this, you have the living God in the flesh walking into this incredible temple that was built for him. It was a palace of great beauty, a palace where no expense was spared. Why? Because it was built for the very God who the Bible says even the universe cannot contain him. It was full of incredible craftsmanship, Uh, It had terrace courts. It was pure gold overlays throughout the entire temple itself. Yet look at how far these religious leaders have fallen. They have allowed a flea market to be set up here in the church. Why? Because they're ripping off God's people. How are they ripping off God's people? Well, on the Passover, the people were required to bring in an offering to the Lord, a sacrifice that could be made for their family, for their sin. So the priests started this little racket here, you could call it. They would tell the people, oh, I'm so sorry. Your sacrifice isn't kosher. It's not worthy of sacrificing to the Lord. You're, you're going to take that filthy animal right there and you want to sacrifice that to the living God? Are you serious? Well, yeah, well, sir, priest, uh, yes, it's all, it's all we have. It's, this is what we have for our family. It was the, the nicest one that we had. And so we brought in the best. It's like, well, that's not worthy to sacrifice to God. What, are you going to argue with him? Then he would tell you, but you can purchase from us an approved animal. Oh, yes, and they had them all bubble bathed. 
You know, let's blow them dry. Let's brush them out, you know. It's like they're so beautiful. It's like, look at that scraggly thing. But you can buy this from us at only four times the profit. Yes, you know, at a premium price. Yes, they were price gouging the people, you could say. They were getting rich off of God's people. You don't think the people knew they were getting in for the scam? You don't think they knew that? It would be like before we teach the word of God here at Core Church. You have to bring me a chicken, you know. But hey, I'm sorry, I don't like your chicken. It looks like it might have bird flu, okay? So I'll sell you one of my chickens for four times as much, of course, okay? Or how about you bring in your cow? Ah, I'm sorry. I think your cow has mad cow disease. He looks a little cuckoo to me. Look at him, okay? But I'll sell you one here for four times as much. Yes, they were ripping off God's people. And Jesus knew exactly what they were doing because he knew everything about them, just like he knows everything about us. Notice in verse 15, Jesus took time to make a whip. He took time. He made the whip himself, meaning this was a well thought out plan to drive out all of these thieves and wholesalers out of his temple that they were desecrating. Because the temple of God was built to be a house of worship and prayer. When we do worship, we put a lot of emphasis on our worship team here. This is not to give you a buffer zone to be late. The worship here has been established that you would come in and be able to just forget everything of the world that's around you. I mean, how many of us are caught up in jobs where our bosses are just a nightmare and and we just have to fight the traffic everywhere we go? I mean, even try to do something nice. Yes, honey, let me go up and get you a chocolate chip cookie. Yes, you will fight traffic for that. You will find, I just want to take my wife out to dinner. You will fight traffic for that. You know, you will not be able to find parking. It's just everywhere we go. It's just a hassle. Church should never be a hassle. And when you come in here, we set aside 30 minutes for the worship that you can just download all of the hassle of the week. Why do we turn the lights off? Because we're trying to save electricity. No, just kidding. We don't care about the electricity. What we care about is that you would have an atmosphere where you could focus on the Lord because if we leave the lights on, you might be looking around like, wow, what were they thinking when they got dressed this morning? (laughs) Looks like they got dressed in the closet with the lights turned out. You know, it's like, look, no, we don't want you to look at anyone else. We just want you to focus on the Lord. We just want you to just, you know, we put the words on the screen so you can see the words that you know what you're singing. So you're not just up there. No, here's the words. They mean something. And that you get into this mode of just worshiping the Lord. That's what the sanctuary is all about. And that's what Jesus is trying to tell these people. Understand what's happening here had been happening for a very long time. This is a place to get right with God. So Jesus consumed with a holy passion that was ignited with a holy righteousness. He turned their tables upside down. He drove them out. This must have been a total shock to the disciples along with everyone else I was watching. It's like, finally, someone that will stand up to these wicked religious leaders who were personally profiting off of God's people. For the Holy Lamb of God, had come now, and he was cleaning house as he drove out these hypocrites. 
Now, as the disciples watched the Lord, they remembered in verse 17, it says, which was what he said was quoted in Psalm 69, 9 of the Messiah, that he would be consumed, that he would be eaten up with a holy zeal for the house of God. You know, it was also written in Malachi chapter 3. Now, it's cool that it was written in Malachi chapter 3 for the simple reason Malachi is the last of the books of the Old Testament. There's 39 individual books in the Old Testament. This was the last one. It's also nice to know that this is about 450 years after this was written because God stopped speaking to his people because of their hard heart and rebelliousness. And this is what Malachi said in Malachi 3.1. He says, then the Lord whom you are seeking will suddenly come to his temple, which he's standing in there right now. But who will be able to endure it when he comes? Who will be able to stand and face him when he appears? For he will be like a blazing fire that refines metal. And he will purify the Levites so that they may once again offer an acceptable sacrifice to the Lord. See, these offerings that they were making were not acceptable because they were ripping the people off. Understand, Jesus was not a spineless worm. Like so many pictures in religious art depict him, he's always just kind of, you know, this, you know, falling away like, yes, I've been fasting for for nine years and I haven't eaten. And somebody, he only has like three fingers and he's like this skinny little arm, this little wormy, you know. You know, what is all of this? I don't even know what that stuff is. Jesus was a man. Remember when Pilate, the Roman governor, who after being having Jesus scourged by the will of these very same wicked religious leaders, says, as he looked at Jesus, as he stood before him beaten and bloodied, he says, behold the man. Stop, look and see the man. Look in his eyes. He was a man, and he was in there with a whip in his hand, turning tables over, money's flying, animals are running out. Man, it's just like, get out of here. Get out of my house. Yes, as he looked, Jesus was that man. And now with a whip in his hand as he drove out these swindlers who have been desecrating his temple. But again, why? Because he was consumed. His heart was burning inside to do what was right for the people. He was absorbed with a holy righteousness. He was the ultimate example of obedience. For you Bible students here, Jesus did this again in Luke chapter 19 at the end of his ministry. His ministry had just began here. We're in John chapter 2. But if you look at Luke 19, at the end of his ministry, there we're told that he did this, had to do this again a second time. He says, my house is a house for prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. What does this teach us? Jesus never lost his temper, except for this. When they took Jesus, when they mocked him, when they beat him, when they nailed him to a cross, he never lost his temper. He never said a word. He was like a lamb that was led to the slaughter. But Jesus will not tolerate those who profane, who disrespect the house of God. And there is unfortunately a lot of that going on today. People that will curse from the pulpit, trying to make funny analogies and jokes and what have you, you know, and they'll actually curse and they'll do things and they'll, they'll, they'll despise the, the very pulpit of God himself. It's like, what, what have we done? So much of this has still happened to this day. 
people profiting off of the church. People who are fleecing God's people. Many, you know, uh, you know they, they get away with it for a very long time, just like what happened here in our text. But one day, everyone who has abused, everyone who has taken advantage of God's people, they will pay a heavy price. That's why here at Core Church, we don't allow business to promote businesses here at Core Church. Hey, look, no networking your business here. Hi, how's it going? You know, good to see you, brother. Here's my car. No, you know, no networking here. This needs to be a place you come and you just worship. Listen, if, if you do a good job at what you do, God will bless that. You know, you bring your tithes and offerings in. God says, you know, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to open the windows of heaven for you. You know, and there's nothing wrong. Like if someone comes to me and says, oh, you know, I need a, a contractor or this or that. I go, well, hey, I got a guy that I use and he was really awesome. He's a believer and loves the Lord. And hey, you know, let it just happen, you know, naturally, organically. You know, there's nothing wrong with sharing with another person. I mean, look, if we have to have something done at our house and, and we're going to pay somebody, I'd rather pay a believer than a non-believer. But you got to be careful because not all believers do good works. You know, I have, I hate to say this, but we've been ripped off here at the, at the church itself. I mean, where we have paid for things to get done and, you know, believers are coming, Hey, could you pay me up front? And we did. And then they never came back and did the work. Like, well, there you go. If you're going to rip off the church or rip off anybody, but it's like, but it, it happens. But when there is someone who does their work is under the Lord, it's like, hey, you know, there's nothing wrong with that word of mouth going on. But just don't come here and network yourself. And there's so many churches that have fleeced God's people. Oh, yes, and we have this holy water. Send so much money here or this prayer cloth. And, you know, you can buy one yourself and make the offering big. It's like, uh, really? Are you serious? You know, this is not holy water. You're not importing it from the Jordan River or something. This has been filled up in your bathroom sink. You know, it's like, you know, you're fleecing God's people. But you know what? It will come back on them. They will pay the price one day. But let me ask you here. What are you most consumed with? What are you consumed with? What makes you stand up with intensity and passion? Are you, as a Christian, are you consumed with living a life of obedience to Christ? Do you stand up and cry foul when the people around us say that what is right is wrong and what is wrong is right, which is happening with so many people around us today? Or do you do absolutely nothing while subjecting yourself to the current day of being politically correct? Which brings up our second point, a sign requested. But before we get into that, you know, many times people will come up to me and say, Pastor, what do, you, what do you think on this? What is your personal opinion? It's like, you know, it doesn't really matter what my personal opinion is on this subject. And to be honest with you, not trying to be offensive, it doesn't matter what you think either. What matters is what has God written in his word? That's what matters. It's not what they say. It's not this ideology. It's what does God say? That's what matters. Which brings up our second point, a sign requested. As we continue to read here in John chapter 2, verse 18, it says, And the Jews said to him, Well, what sign do you show us as authority for doing these things? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. And the Jews said, It took 46 years to build this temple, and you're going to raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his own body. We'll stop there. Can you believe the callousness of these religious leaders and their hearts? 
You would think that they would fall on their faces and repent for the wickedness of what they've allowed to happen in the temple of God. But that's not the case. They did what we do so many times. They just passed the buck. And where did it land? Right on Jesus as they asked him for a sign. What authority do you have to do this? Well, actually, since I'm God in the flesh, I'm the one that told Solomon that he could build the first temple, you know, back in First Kings. But uh, he didn't say that. You know, I would have said that, and I would just would have said, and you're gone because you're worthless. But that's why I'm not God. Anyway, uh, <laughs> yes, man has been passing the buck ever since the first sin in the Garden of Eden. Remember when God came down and he asked Adam, did you eat of the forbidden fruit? And Adam, without hesitation, passed the buck. Not only on the woman, but on God. He says, yes, God, it's the woman that you gave me. Isn't that amazing? You know, here he is now complaining about the woman that God had given him. Now, if you remember just a few verses before that, God had caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam because Adam, you know, when God, when God looked at him said, you know, it's not good, the aloneness of man. So he caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and, you know, and he fell asleep and God pulled out a rib out of his side and he created woman. So when Adam wakes up from this deep sleep, he wakes up to a naked woman. He wasn't complaining then, you know, he's like, oh God, this is a good day. You know, everything is good as he frolicked around naked with Eve. Okay. Everything was good. But now, as soon as he gets confronted on something, oh, well, hold the whole problem here is that woman that you gave me. Okay. So he passes the buck. And then of course, when the Lord went to Eve, you know, she did the same thing. She's like, well, you know, it was that serpent that came in, you know, the little tongue coming out, those shifty eyes, you know, it was a serpent that came in. Well, the religious leaders passed the buck as they asked Jesus to show him a sign. Yeah, how about this for a sign? You guys are a bunch of dogs and thieves in my house. How about that? But anyway, Jesus said this as he didn't get mad. He said, destroy this temple and I'll raise it up in three days as he was speaking of himself. There was nothing more holy than him. He was God in the flesh. That temple was just built with stone. It was covered with gold that came out of the ground. But in front of them stood the living God in human form. And they just, and they did that. They did exactly what he said. They destroyed the holiest of all temples. They destroyed him as they mocked him, as they scourged him, and they killed him about three years and a couple months after this very day that we're reading right now. Yet, just like Jesus promised, he rose again from the dead on the third day, which brings up our quick and final last point, a promise remembered. Let's read what he says in verse 22. So when he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he said this, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had spoken. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover, during the feast, many believed in his name, observing his signs, which he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, was not entrusting himself to them, for he knew all men. And because he did not need anyone to testify concerning man, for he himself knew what was in the heart of man. Yes, it took the light of the resurrection to illuminate why Jesus came. And the disciple says, you know what? We believe, we see now, we understand. See, he didn't just come for them. He didn't just come for the Jews that were alive 2,000 years ago. 
He came to save all who would hear. All the generations after them, even to us here 2,000 years later, he came for all of us, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus had passion for truth because he was truth incarnate. He was the God-man. Jesus was consumed and absorbed with the desire to see all men and all women saved. That's why the Bible tells us in 1 Timothy 1.15, this is a trustworthy statement deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. It was a flea market that they had set up in the holy temple. And that is what ignited Jesus' passion which caused their own wicked hearts to seek a sign. Instead of searching their own souls and asking themselves where they really stood with God. But these things were recorded for us so that we would remember what God's plan of salvation was. And what was that? It was for all people. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Truth is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you've been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org, as well as writing to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. 